Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Florida's Fourth Estate. And let me tell you, this is a very special one. I'm Ginger Gadsden. My co-host, Matt Austin, joins me once again. And we have two familiar faces. We hope you're familiar with our guests today, Stacy and Kevin Rathel. And I cannot tell you how, how awesome it is to see the two of you together, but especially you, Kevin. We're coming, we're t- broadcasting. We record this on Wednesdays. That's today, right? And we're talking about the coronavirus. And right now, Florida has 28,309 cases. And Kevin, you're one of them. Correct. A survivor. Yeah. Oh, and one of the ones that was in the ICU, which is you get about a 20% chance of coming out of which it your story is incredible and I don't want to tell the whole thing so I want you know Stacy you jump in there and just give us a little idea of what happened because your story really is a miracle well first of all our whole family got it so we have three children we were self-isolating already my son is the only one who was coming and going and he was considered an essential worker doing food delivery so we, um, it started with him, which seemed like a really bad flu. And it just one by one hit all of us in the family. So he, Kevin had it probably four or five days before my teenage daughter and I got it. And then the little one got it last. All varying degrees, of course. So we realized this, we realized quickly this was not a really bad flu. At some point we were suspecting you know, I think we might have the virus. We stayed at home. We did what we were supposed to do and recover at home, not overwhelm the hospitals and take up rooms and beds and and um, uh, healthcare workers. So we stayed at home to recover. But on April 2nd, that Thursday, he couldn't make it up the stairs, up or down, without having to catch his breath. So he said, it's time. We're going to have to go to the no, emergency I, room. I couldn't make it down the stairs or up the stairs. I made it down the stairs barely catching my breath and then i made it barely upstairs to basically just fall on the bed and have to catch my breath for the next 15 minutes and that's never happened to me before i've relatively been healthy uh my whole life i'm the mule of the family so if i got the flu within three weeks three days i was always better and everybody else kind of lingered for kind of a while but when that happened i said we, we're gonna have to go to the hospital which we did. We were both tested. They, they sent me home to recover and they kept him there because uh, he was showing um, CT scans were showing early um, signs of pneumonia. That was on a Thursday. By Saturday, he was on a ventilator in the ICU in a coma. This is the part I'm trying to wrap my mind around uh, when I hear stories like you guys is He's there, he's going through the fight of his life, and you can't be there next to him. You can't be with him to help him get through it. That has to be almost impossibly hard. It was difficult. It was difficult for for both of us. I have the rest of the family around me. He was the one who was in isolation. And I kind of heard that already, but that doesn't really register until you're going through it, what that isolation means. It doesn't just mean you can't have visitors. It means you're on, uh, you have one assigned doctor and one assigned nurse. So there's not a revolving door of, of healthcare um, uh, staff 
coming in and out and and you're you're basically alone it's like solitary confinement except for the few times they have to come in and do whatever tests so um you get, you get a daytime crew and a nighttime crew. but it's very so two, very doctors, minimal very minimal when they when they come in um and visit you and, and take care of you do whatever they need to do because they have to suit up every time they do that but so the bigger thing is when you're in isolation as the patient you're uh, all you're seeing are unfamiliar faces with masks on in these outfits yeah. that look a little scary. And you're unsure where you're at anyways because you're heavily medicated. So you have no family there to comfort you or tell you everything's fine. This is what's supposed to be happening. Uh, oh, you are. Oh, crud. What are all these mean people shoving tubes down my throat? You know, up but, other areas, but, IVs, blood taken. Yes. You know, you're sweating with a fever and and uh, you know, so it's it's that that's very difficult from the, the patient standpoint, and of course the heroes over there, the nurses and doctors, mm. just you know working twelve hours on, twelve hours off. You know, most of the female staff, they don't even go home; they go uh, someplace else so they don't bring it to their children. But even the, in the beginning, before he went to ICU, he was in the COVID section in isolation. So before it even got worse. He was, it was, it's terribly lonely. And then of course you're in ICU and, and they do amp up the care that you're given. It is more people coming and going and pricking you and doing all kinds of things to you. Plus they didn't even tell you that they were putting me in there. Yeah, I, I got, a, I got a, a, a brief call from a nurse that Saturday morning saying they may have to, to put him in ICU. Next thing I know, I get a call saying he was already put in ICU, in a coma, on the ventilator, and I, I was like, "What? I didn't even get you to talk to him." You don't know if first. you're going to talk to him again. Oh right. my gosh! I mean, that it is... happened so quickly that I was—I remember thinking I was so sad I didn't get a chance. I, he couldn't really talk much because he was too weak, but they could have at least held his phone to his ear. I could have given him some encouraging words, something, and it, that didn't even happen. You know, it's funny that you bring that up. Uh, Kevin, you have all these, you know, basically faceless people doing all the, the prodding and the poking and the whatever else they were doing to you. But when you uh, you tell us that you could hear everything that was going on and you heard people, did you hear people praying for you? Is that what you said? Uh, I de I've definitely heard uh, tons of prayers. Uh, here, hold on. You don't have to miss with it. The, um, and one of the really neat things, too, is uh, a lot of the nurses would pray for me. Oh. Uh, and, uh, I think one or, two, one or two of the doctors did as well. So, which oh, I, my God. To, to me, was very special. You know, probably the only comforting thing during that time. Yeah. And, and do you, like, uh, from the time when you were put into the coma, do you have, aside from that, do you have any memories or feelings from then? Is there oh, I got ton, I got tons of memories, tons of feelings that I, I don't really <laughs> want to go into. It was, it was a very dramatic uh, time, but it's, um, there's something that, that people don't talk about a whole lot. It's that when they put uh, a lot of these individuals on these types of medications, it creates a lot of vivid, um, nightmarish type mm. scenarios and um, so that which is very difficult and when you're sedated and in a coma you're not thinking in your right mind to begin with mm. and you go you add on like some type of crazy drugs that they're experimenting with you know I'll say it that way of course the doctors will be able to explain it much better but 
you know, all, all necessary, I'm sure, but you know, it's still scary as from the patient's point of view. It's that delirium yeah. that you may have heard heard about. And I was reading up, it's particularly, it's, it's common for, for people who go on a ventilator, um, but particularly so in COVID patients. And I didn't know that. So he wasn't, it's not like you just come out of it and you're groggy and disoriented, which is what I was expecting. He, it was nightmarish. It's like waking someone up in the middle of a nightmare and they're still feeling it and experiencing it and trying to tell you about it. So it was a little scary. <laughs> okay, so I, I had started asking like a day or two after I woke up, when I started getting into my right mind. I'm like, okay, is, is this person still alive? Uh, oh is this God. person this, is this happening? Did this happen? Uh, all these different things. I'm like trying to gather information to see what was real and what wasn't real. I mean, it's not oh, nice to say, but the reality is he, he had um, vivid memories that hit all of us were, um, had died. Wow. Wow. Okay. I'm terrified just listening to that. Yeah, that's the first time I'm hearing this as well, because then you start thinking about, you know, you're an adult going through this and there are so many kids who are going through this and younger people who are going through this too so that's frightening for them but i want to talk to you now and we have some video if we can play that i want you to look at this video stacy and kevin and then tell me what was going through your mind when you saw that and when you uh remember it can we if we can play that video Let's baby yes we love you kisses love <laughs> oh my gosh that that of course was easter morning right. yes that's when i looked down i'm like what happened to my stomach that's funny but uh, my, my doctor dr vo uh an amazing doctor she's one of the ones who uh, goes one, one one week on away from her kids, one week off with her children uh, at the hospital. But she was, uh, I wouldn't wake up. So she's like, oh, let me aggravate him. So she started aggravating me with my eyes. So just so she could uh, kind of get the, because they were FaceTiming just so I could see. So yeah. now I, I, I barely, barely remember that moment. All I do remember is tears just pouring out of my face when I heard that. Yeah. And Stacy, the excitement in your voice, we felt it through the screen. <laughs> yes, well, I'm glad. I'm glad because it was it was definitely a moment. I, it's hard to put words to that, but I was so surprised that um, we were going to act. I thought we were just going to be able to FaceTime him and he'd be out, and we were for the first time able to let him hear our voices. But Dr. Vo had that little Easter morning surprise for us when she took him off the sedatives and and woke him up. She really wanted to see how his body was going to respond, all of his vitals being off of the, the meds. So she had to, not completely, because it takes a while. And I didn't realize that. Um, it takes a while to get out. She, they had to bring the medication back up a little bit, the sedatives, because he actually came out of it so strongly. Mm. He was <laughs> fighting, <laughs> essentially. And they had to bring him back down. But we were, it was just such a tearful moment um, to be able to see because we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for that moment. Because mm -hmm. you're wondering, you're wondering why you're tied down and why there's a giant tube down your throat oh. and you're in pain. 
So, you know, so you start as a guy, most guys that start with the heck, so I start trying to get out of your restraints, of you know, yeah, pull yeah. things out. And I was reaching oh. for that ventilator, so I was like, yeah. <laughs> but it was really neat that they FaceTimed because most people don't get that. They would have gotten a call, hey, he's out. Yeah. You know, just wanted you to give you an to, update. You got so. to be a part of we that. We actually yeah. got to see it. Yeah, yeah of course, I'm saying I'm saying I'm uh, resisting and all that kind of stuff. But in my mind, since I'm still sedated, for all I know, that was all happening barely, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, you it were joking like a second ago, Kevin. You were saying uh, when when you first woke up, you're like, where's my stomach? But you say that for a reason because you oh, yeah, lost 30 pounds. <laughs> Cow. The hard way. I'm a tall I'm a tall five foot six guy, so. He insists on doing everything the hard way, though. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking like a true wife. I'm curious, honestly, I, I love seeing that video as well. My favorite video, because I feel like we've kind of tracked your progress the whole way, so we feel a little more attached than you are to us. Uh, but I loved when you got out of the hospital and you got to go home. But I know that when we tell these stories, a lot of people don't hear what happens after you get home, because I hear recovering from this isn't a one-day thing. Uh, it, it's, it's a real traumatic event, and it's going to take some time to get back to normal life, right? Oh, gosh, definitely. But the main thing, too, I think, is walking out of the hospital. They had like 100 or 150 of our little heroes down there clapping for me. And I was like, all I could think of, why are they clapping for me? This is so embarrassing. I should be clapping for them. You know, and they, they're the ones who did all the work. They're the ones who go there every day, risk their lives. So that, that from the male ego point, I guess, or that just the, any ego point or any human point, it's, it, that, it, was, it, it was very awkward. Wonderful, because I know they needed it as well, but it, that's, that's a hard one, you know, because yeah. they're the ones that did all the work. You, know, you it's deserve like, some credit, though, too. You beat the odds, my friend. Not a lot of people don't come off of those ventilators, and you did. Yeah. Well, Stacy sure. Stacy did. She did the hard work. She did the praying. She got all of our friends together. She's the one that uh, got it. Um, you know, I just I just had to go through the torment of it. But he's a fighter. Don't make, yeah, make no clearly, mistake. Clearly, <laughs> clearly. You know, we, we're running, we're quickly running out of time because we could talk to you for another hour. But speaking of heroes in this, the gentleman who saw your story from South Florida felt so compelled, drove, donated plasma, and that's what basically really saved your life. And he said once he saw a picture of you and your family, it suddenly became not a news story, but something very real and personal. Correct. You ever heard the thing that we're seven times removed? I think oh, in, six degrees yeah. of separation. Yes. Six, six, yes, yes. So in, in Florida, I think we're three degrees of separation. Because <laughs> Stacy, it's, it's a small world. Yeah, Stacy texted one of my friends who was being texted by one of his good friends, and so and that was the donor, yes. J James Crocker of Hog Technologies. Mm -hmm. And um, he's awesome, too, because now he's set up a website called plasmaforlives.com. It's running active now to get more people to donate plasma and hook up with patients who need it. So they don't have to go through. We lucked out through Stacy and I. We had contacts. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't have contacts. That was why, probably one of the reasons why I was, one of the, I was the first in the Southeast to get this procedure. You know, you have to get FDA approval. You got to go through all the steps. You got to know the right people. You got to be able to 
convince the doctor to do it. A lot of facts, fast action had to happen. So James's website basically brings people who want to donate, they want to do something and help with those who are desperately searching for someone. It's not meant to replace anything that's, that is right now. It's just meant to facilitate people who want to connect with other people. Cause a lot of times that is a hurdle. You have to sit and wait and there aren't, you know, the, the supply is not meeting the demand. So it's just trying to help that process along. And the plasma lasts over a year in the blood banks, where blood only lasts 90 days. And plasma oh, wow. can also help save the life of up to three people. So one donation, up to three people. So the oh, yeah. ICU has five people over there right now. Stacy just went and got tested yesterday or the day before. So as soon as she's negative, she can donate to three of those. Wow. So we're, we're walking Wikipedia Every 28 now. days. <laughs> That's, so I mean, yeah. we've had to learn a lot. Yeah, yeah you, you had to, you had to, but think, but you share your knowledge with other people and hopefully that will help some other people. And we are so thankful that you guys took the time to talk to us because we often are telling stories that don't end like yours. And I feel like people just want some hope right now and they want to know that there is recovery on the other side of this you know and it's going to take a lot of great doctors a lot of prayer and just you know yeah that especially and just being in in this wonderful community of ours and we are happy that you're here to tell that story yeah. and thank you for and just remember to the big thing i think especially at least from my point of view i'll say the male point of view it's hard to ask for help mm. it's hard to go out there and pour your soul out if it would have been the other way around i don't know what would have uh, you know what type of advocate I would have been uh, completely different more probably an asshole about it uh, but, <laughs> I don't think you can say that it's a podcast you know Stacey's out there pouring her heart out her prayers out mm-hmm. her faith out and um, so just don't be ashamed don't be embarrassed to ask for help yeah. um, if you don't know if you're looking for help right now you have no idea and you need help and you can't find help message us well, and, and, and I want people to know, you didn't ask this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, I want people to know that what really was such a source of strength for my family, while he's enduring what he's enduring, we're holed up in our house, we're feeling helpless, is the outpouring, not just prayer hands and hearts and stuff, but um, the true heart, heartfelt messages that we received, but also groceries on our front doorstep, food delivered to us. So if you want to help and you can't donate plasma because you never had it and wouldn't qualify, find families in need and just Uber Eats them a meal or something. Yeah. There are things you can do to show love and support. And from, from this end of it, it was everything to me so i cannot stress that enough you had an easter basket show for grace an easter basket because i hadn't had a chance to get anything oh. any candy or anything and i thought about it the night before and i just um yeah we got a little easter basket and just little gestures go such a long way right now and i think people are people are quarantined and they're frustrated and they're feeling powerless they don't have to there really are tangible things ways yeah. to demonstrate love and support I, I love, we are all craving yeah. kindness right now, too. So thank you for sharing. That. Right, and I, I think you're both so impressive. I, I think you've got a fighter there who beat the odds. And you also have a spouse there 
who was willing to fight for her man tooth and nail to where she found somebody. I mean, nothing was going to stop this woman from saving her guy. First person of Southeast. Try to tell me no. Just try. I dare you. I will not explain that, Stacey. No, (laughs) ma'am. Oh, my God. They tried to tell her no at the hospital a bunch of times. They tried, and it was like, uh uh-uh. I can't hear nope. you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, we all need a Stacy on our side. Yeah. I want you my. I want you to be my cut woman in my corner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. Stacey, but please remember, Kevin. guys. Yeah, please yeah. remember. Let everybody know that if they can't find the help that they need, message us, and we'll point. We'll at least be able to point no, them in the right direction. No, I know, we know, I know. We're not going to put your cell phone number up there, Stacey. 300,000 messages. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. I'll start going through them one by one. We'll we'll put the right information up there. We love you guys. Thank you so much. It's so wonderful to see you. And thank you for taking the time. Yeah, yeah. Kevin, stay strong, man. You're looking good. Thanks. And make sure you plug uh, the uh, Plasma Plasma for Lives. lives. Plasmaforlives.com. Is that it? Yes. Yes. All right. He just went live yesterday. It's free. He just he's just doing it from his heart, you know. Oh, that's wonderful. Not free for him, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Guys, thank you so much. This has been another wonderful and happy edition of Florida Sports (laughs) Estate. I'm Ginger Gadsden. He is. Who are you again? Uh, My name is Matt Austin, by the way. (laughs) And this was one of my favorites. These guys were awesome. Very inspiring. Thank you so much, guys. Bye-bye. All right. Appreciate it. Bye. See you guys next week. Bye.